The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. Thanks, Rob, and welcome to the Sox Machine Podcast 2021 Player Reviews. I'm Josh Nelson. In the upcoming months, we'll be selecting a player or position group to recap their 2021 season discussing if said player or players met or exceeded expectations, and what does their near future outlook appear to be with the 2022 Chicago White Sox. Stuff hasn't been a problem for Dylan Cease. Since joining the Chicago White Sox organization from the famous Jose Quintana deal, Cease's fastball velocity has been as good as advertised, consistently hitting 97 plus miles per hour, and paired with a heartbreaking slider. His third pitch offering has been progressing slowly, but there were times you can see an effective changeup or curveball. After making 14 starts in 2019 as his audition, 2020 was supposed to be Cease's first full season, but COVID had other thoughts, and the young White Sox hurler was limited to just 12 starts. It was not a good season for Cease in 2020, his war on fan graphs was negative 0.3, and despite the velocity holding up, his K percentage was 17.3%, one of the lowest strikeout rates for major league starters. Cease had become an enigma. How can a pitcher in today's game with one of the elite velocities and a very good slider have such a tough time striking out hitters? Enter 2021, Cease was going to be in the White Sox starting rotation, but not someone entering with a lot of pressure of having to help carry the team. He was solid in the number four spot with Carlos Rodon competing with Ronaldo Lopez for the fifth spot in the starting rotation. With Lucas Giolito, Dallas Keuchel, and newly acquired Lance Lynn, Cease was looked at with the hope he could step forward to help to make the rotation stronger, but a hesitant hope if his woes from 2020 continued into 2021. Cease's first four starts were ineffective, never getting past the fifth inning, walked at least three batters in each start, but the strikeouts were up. His strikeout-to-walk rate was 20 strikeouts to nine walks, 
but only in 17 and a third innings after four starts. On April 29th, in the second game of a seven-inning doubleheader against the Detroit Tigers, Cease was finally able to put together a complete effort. In 91 pitches, Cease struck out nine without walking anyone and gave up just three hits and a complete game shutout as the White Sox won 11 to nothing. In his next start, on May 4th in Cincinnati, Cease was great again on the mound against the Reds. In six innings, Cease struck out 11, walking three, but only allowed one hit with no runs allowed. Cease was also three for three at the plate against the Reds, helping the White Sox win another blowout. The month of May was a strong one for Cease. In five starts, he pitched 27 innings with 37 strikeouts. After another 10 strikeout game against Baltimore on May 27th, Cease's season ERA was 2.98. Cease had two bad starts in June that sunk his monthly numbers and saw his season ERA take a hit, allowing six earned runs in three and a third innings against Cleveland on June 1st, and the Houston Astros beat him up for seven runs in three and a third innings. In his four other starts in June, Cease only allowed a combined five runs. On July 5th against the Minnesota Twins, Cease once again got beat up, giving up six runs in five and a third innings. And then Cease saw his season ERA rise from 2.98 at the end of May to 4.11 at the All-Star break. Nothing too concerning, especially since Cease was considered the White Sox number four starter. Cease went winless in July and had a 5.33 ERA for the month. And then something clicked in August. Something similar that we saw in the month of May. Against the Royals on August 3rd, C struck out 11 to just two walks and only allowed one hit in six scoreless innings. In two starts against his former organization, the Chicago Cubs, Cease was electric. In 11 combined innings in the two starts, C struck out 21 to just five walks. In six starts, Cease was 4-0 with a 2.83 ERA for the month of August, 50 strikeouts to just 12 walks, and the dog days is when Cease broke out. With Dallas Keuchel fading and Carlos Rodon fighting injuries, Cease climbed up to be a dependable number three pitcher in the White Sox rotation. In September, things got a bit weird with the White Sox pitching usage, as Tony La Russa reduced the workload of his starters to save them for the postseason. Cease made five starts, but only pitched 22 innings. The strikeouts were still up, as he had 38 for the month. In his final tune-up of the regular season, Cease struck out five in four innings against Detroit. For the regular season, Cease had one of the biggest turnarounds in baseball in strikeout rate, increasing from a 17.3% strikeout rate in 2020 to 31.9% in 2021. That strikeout rate was fifth in Major League Baseball for starting pitchers qualified for the ERA title. Cease only trailed Scion winner Robbie Ray and Garrett Cole in the American League. Cease led the White Sox in strikeouts in 2021 with 226 strikeouts, tied for eighth most in White Sox franchise history. Come the postseason, the White Sox season was heading on a thread, entering Game 3 of the American League Division Series. Down two games in the five-game series, La Russa went to cease to start Game 3, 
a raucous crowd waving black towels in the blackout. Cease had a terrific first inning. On 13 pitches, Cease got Jose Altuve to pop out, Michael Brantley to ground out, and punched out Alex Bregman hitting 101 miles per hour on the stadium gun. Cease was feeding off the energy after the opening frame. Then things unraveled in the second inning. Back-to-back walks to start were costly after Kyle Tucker hit a two-run double. Tucker advanced to third on a fly out and would later score on a single from rookie Jake Myers. After Cease's third walk of the inning to Jose Otuve, Larusa had seen enough. Swapping out Cease for Michael Kopech, and the electric atmosphere was quiet watching Cease walk off the mound, coughing up a 1-0 early lead to a 3-1 deficit as he just lasted one and two-thirds innings. The White Sox, thanks to their bats, would come back to win Game 3 but ultimately lose the series to Houston because the starting pitching failed. And Cease was part of that failure. But his 2021 season was ultimately a success. He entered the campaign with some doubts from what was shown in 2019 and 2020. Cease displayed the strikeout stuff White Sox fans have been waiting for. As someone that wasn't sure to be counted on for a postseason run, Cease was more dependable than veteran Dallas Keuchel. So what's next for Cease? Can he duplicate his 2021 campaign? Can he take another step forward in his development and possibly be a dark horse pick to win the 2022 American League Scion? We discuss next after a quick word from our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. 
Joining me to continue the conversation about Dylan Cease's 2021 season and looking ahead to 2022 is the managing editor of SoxMachine.com. It's Jim Margulis. And hello, Jim. Before 2021, we were wondering about Cease's ability to strike out hitters. The stuff was there, but the strikeouts weren't. As mentioned in the intro, Cease had the fifth best strikeout rate for starting pitchers qualified for the ERA title in 2021, and he led the White Sox in strikeouts. What was the big change for Cease in piling up all these strikeouts? I would say even if it's not maybe his best pitch, the fastball was the key to unlocking everything else just because he had a much better handle of where it was going and how it was breaking or or not breaking for that matter because you know the last year or I should say in in 2020 the problem was with his spin efficiency getting unwanted cut on his fastball between that and his propensity to just kind of uh, uh, get off kilter and throw fastballs in the left-handed batter's box uh, just had a tendency to run away from him and flatten out uh, didn't have the kind of carry he thought would get over bats it would kind of just more break into swing paths and damage would be done so getting that uh, spin efficiency ironed out getting more ride on it cutting the amount of drop on it that just unlocked a whole lot of things for him one was that it allowed him to be in the zone more or just above the zone more you know as I mentioned before like he just tended to fire it wide and and whether it was because he did didn't know his fastball is going to break away from right-handed hitters or just because that was the way his body was going. That's just where it ended up. In this case, he's over the plate more and sometimes over the zone more, you know, uh, letter high and, and so above the swing plane and all that's great. And then when he has that going for him, um, it just makes the other pitches more effective, especially the slider and the curveball. You know, the curveball, there is no chance for a hitter to even think about swinging on it if the count was always 2-0. And the slider, the same thing. He's able to incorporate that more just because I think some of the uh, mechanical changes he made with the core velocity belt and being able to to direct more of his drive towards the plate instead of getting off balance, just trickled down to all of his pitches and made his entire arsenal more effective. In 2020, Dylan Cease's four-seam fastball, he had a 17.2% whiff rate. In 2021, it increased to 23% whiff rate for Dylan Cease. You mentioned the fastball may not be his best pitch. Is the slider the best pitch that Dylan Cease has? Seems like it, or it seems like he thinks it is based on how he threw it, you know, topping 30% with the, you know, with his pitch frequency. I think when he came up to the majors, it was all fastball curveball. That was the big idea for him. And, and having that hammer curve thinking it's, you know, very effective and, and, and Clayton Kershaw like, or, or Rich Hill like, but from the right side, but you know, he, as I mentioned, he just couldn't get that pitch in the zone or couldn't get other pitches in the zone to make it a threat. So he leaned on the slider more and, and he liked it more last year, but that's because his fastball is kind of garbage a little bit. Like he had to use his slider because fastball was just either not in the zone or ineffective. If he wanted to go in the zone, he'd probably use his slider just because they might not be expecting it the way they could see his fastball and, and barrel it up. But in this case, I think the slider, even if he just threw it like a touch more than he threw last year, he threw it with intent and he threw it because he wanted to throw that specific pitch, the fastball he wanted to throw it when he wanted to throw it more or less. Like all his pitches, I think, played up 
uh, in the order he wanted to. The slider is better than the curveball, but the curveball he can still use once in a while. Everything is there for him, but the slider seems to have taken the you know, taken the front seat. It's called shotgun in his arsenal with everything else uh, in the back, and you're really seeing it pair well with that that uh, fastball, especially uh, against lefties. Like he he's been able to command that pitch uh, down and in using that in in place of the fastball, and I, I think that's been very good for him. Yeah, opposing hitters against Dylan Cease's slider in 2021, they hit 176 and they slugged just 264. What's crazy to me about the slider, Jim, Dylan Cease had a 50% whiff rate mm-hmm. on this pitch. That is crazy. That's crazy. In 2020, he had a 39.5%. So he increased his whiff rate by 10.5% to what I would say is a very good whiff rate in 2020 to an insane whiff rate in 2021. And he only allowed 34 hits against the slider all of last season. And only nine of them went for extra base hits. He struck out batters 93 times with the slider. He had almost three times the amount of strikeouts with the slider than hits allowed. And I I think it's got to be his best pitch when watching Dylan Cease I guess my follow-up question is, do you think he needs to throw it more if it is this effective? Uh, not necessarily. I, I think he more or less found a really good form for him. I, th- I think, you know, and this may be uh, spoiling a little bit what we're going to be talking about, but when it comes to, like the next step in his evolution, I'm thinking that, you know, efficiency is really the only thing that he doesn't really have a great handle on. Even when he's not walking guys, he cut the walks dramatically, but still the at-bats are lengthy. So when it comes to getting some at-bats over more quickly, uh, I, I think that's the issue. And sometimes uh, slider guys can do that because just um, you know, whether it's getting swings and misses earlier, rolling pitches over, it works for them. And, and that's a way to get at-bats over. But also for some other pitchers, it just extends at-bats because they're either outside the zone a lot, throwing chase pitches that are laid off, or getting foul tips in the dirt um, and, and extending at-bats. So I think when it comes to the next great advance on his arsenal I, I think it's going to be whatever I, I guess keeps him in the zone longer and avoids the uh the rough inning so I think when it comes to just the the slider usage um I, I think it's good where it's at if he can throw it more great but I can see some drawbacks just based on you know the need going forward for him to just throw be in the zone a bit more often and avoid those innings that really uh take a bite out of his pitch count so let's talk about that third offering as you were hinting which third pitch do you like more for Dylan Cease, his changeup or the curveball? Well, I like the I like the curveball more as a pitch, and when it's getting you know swings and misses and and getting you know, locked knees or or you know stealing strikes in in counts where hitters just don't want to look at it, you understand why. Just it's a nasty pitch. Uh, the changeup though was sneaky good for him, and I wonder how long it can be just because the the speed differential between those two pitches is enormous like oftentimes he's going like 20 miles per hour like he'd be at 98 with his fastball and 78 with his changeup and usually when the speed differential is that great there's some element of tipping or slowing down or or something in his delivery that tells hitters it's coming but maybe he just threw it infrequently enough to where hitters just still weren't factoring it into what they had to be aware of. They still weren't treating it as like a put-away pitch. So uh, if they saw something dramatically slower, they just more or less 
either laid off it or were able to fight it off just because they were already there with their lower body and could just fend it off. But it seems like, you know, when you have that big of a difference, almost like a Bugs Bunny differential with the, with, with the changeup, it almost seems like eventually it has to be figured out by the league. And, and maybe that's why, why he's saving it as his fourth pitch in terms of frequency. But as, you know, so far... Um, there's not been much damage done on it. So it seems like maybe he could introduce it more as long as he's not like crossing that line of being overexposed. When you're looking at just the data against left-handed pitchers, we see a higher frequency of curveballs and changeups thrown by Dylan Cease compared to right-handed hitters. When Cease is facing a right-handed hitter, 87% of the time, it's either going to be a fastball or slider. With the fastball coming in at right-handed hitters 47% of the time and the slider coming at 40% of the time. From my perspective, as a hitter preparing for Dylan Cease, you're really looking for two pitches, the fastball or slider. Because again, 87% of the pitches that you're going to see in your plate appearances against Dylan Cease as a righty is going to be fastball or slider. That is much different on the left-hand side. If you are a left-handed batter, you're seeing the fastball, again, 47% of the time. But the slider only 21% of the time. The curveball is 20% of the time. The changeup is 13% of the time. Do you think against righties moving into 2022, Cease has to throw a third pitch more often against righties? Or do you think he can live off just being a two-pitch pitcher against right-handed hitters, but still keeping a four-pitch mix against lefties? I think you can. I think a lot of pitchers are successful that way, especially when they have the confidence to throw the slider any time in the count. I think the you know, the idea of an arsenal and the idea of seeing uh, pitches early and then trying to save another one for later, I think when pitchers were averaging 91-92 with their fastballs and really needed more of a kitchen sink approach, I think that was more important, but now we're seeing just with just the preponderance of hard throwers and hard breaking stuff throwers that as long as you can maintain your command on it and the sharpness of it, uh, you can throw it basically as much as you want. And so I think that's probably Cease's path going forward. And I'm looking at his changeup chart uh, right now. And in 2019, it was 83 miles per hour. In 2020, it was 83 miles per hour. And in April 2021, it started out around 81. But then, yeah, I'm looking May uh, 78, June 77, July 77. Yeah, just they're they're all like... 20 miles per hour different from his fastball. So that's, I think, I watched it closely just because I figured, I, I thought it would have to be solved at some point, and, and it wasn't. But I still think that's more of a um, a strike grabber, a, a sequence. It, it buys him time in the sequence, I think, when he can just uh, kind of mix it in there every once in a while, like maybe once a game to a hitter, rather than, uh, uh, you know, using it more to take the weight off his slider and fastball. I think the this fastball slider combination is good enough until hitters say otherwise. Cease made 32 starts in 2021, which is great, mm -hmm. but he only pitched 165 and two thirds innings, Jim. That's a little more than five innings average per start. Do you think Cease can be a pitcher who still makes 30 plus starts? Again, that's good. He was healthy and durable enough to make 32 starts in, in a full season in 2021. But do you think he could reach 200 innings in a season or does his stuff and his command 
limit him to being a pitcher who averages five or five and a half innings per start. It's hard to it's hard to imagine him as a 200 innings guy. Uh, that's not to say it's impossible. I think it's more of a matter of even if he does make strides with his command uh, and his efficiency and is able to get more innings over quickly and able to avoid the 30 pitch innings that he often finds uh, at least once a start. There's still the matter of league tendencies, taking strain off the starters, going to bullpens earlier, having a wider variety of arms that qualifies mid-leverage to take over in the sixth innings to where, you know, just going a third time through or a fourth time through really is uh, a lot more unwise than it used to be. So I think between those two things, it's a tough sled for him to close those last 40 innings. I'm looking at his pitches per plate appearance and for his career he's at 4.18 even last year he was at 4.16 so whether he's been the form that strikes guys out whether he's the form that doesn't strike guys out uh and and nearly walks as many as he strikes out uh the pitches per plate appearance is the same and the, the guy i think of when it comes to somebody who's not able to throw like 200 innings because of efficiency that we've seen up close is carlos Rodon, and carlos Rodon. uh for his career, he's basically been around four pitches per inning. So Cease is behind him, and we saw how hard it is for Rodon, even when he's going well, to get to seven innings. I think Cease kind of faces that same thing. Is this just something we're going to have to get used to as White Sox fans, or do you think that he and pitching coach Ethan Katz, Mm -hmm. speculating here, but do you think this is something that they work on in 2022 to maybe get Cease below four pitches on average per plate appearance? I think it's something that can be worked on just because I don't think that four pitches, you know, that, that 4.18, 4.16 pitches per plate appearance, uh, that rate is evenly allocated per batter. You know, there, there are some innings that are slogs that are 30 pitches, 40 pitches. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, you know, he, he might have a one, two, three first where he throws 14 and then all of a sudden he's at 44 through two and then he's, he's lost that ground. And I, I think, He's still battling that. Um, it's, it's certainly an improvement over 2020 when that, that inning might be the first inning, and you'd wonder if he could ever get through three. Uh, he's managed to get off to better starts, but I think there is that one time through or that one inning where just the mechanics get off kilter and he's not quite able to get on top of it, and he, he made strides in that regard. And, and they were less frequent. They were less... Um, not only frequent, but less regular. Like sometimes they might wait until later and, and that's fine because he's already thrown five innings. Like it's on a, uh, when, when it happens later, there are more ways to plan around it. Or if the scores in uh, the White Sox favor, they can work with it. But uh, there, there are ways for him to improve just to minimize the amount of time he spends in that left-handed batter's box. So I think as they're looking ahead uh, for ways to improve, I think just the mid-inning, uh, mechanical adjustments, I think, is what remains most elusive. And it's not an easy thing to fix, but I think uh, if that's the only thing really keeping him from being a pitcher that gets Cy Young votes, um, he's in pretty good shape. We've spoken about a possible contract extension with Lucas Giolito for the Chicago White Sox, but Dylan Cease will be entering arbitration one starting in 2023. 2022 will be his last year at the league minimum, which will be around $600,000 for Dylan Cease's planned salary coming into next season. We are recording this episode before a new CBA is announced. 
So we don't know on how arbitration is going to work moving forward under a new CBA, but we did see Miami sign one of their young promising starting pitchers and Sandy Alcantara to a five-year $56 million contract, which buys out his arm years. It does come with a $1.5 million signing bonus and a $2 million buyout for the 2027 season. Uh, if the Marlins do not pick up a $21 million club option, but I saw the amount of years. So it takes care of El Quintero's mm-hmm. three years of arbitration and it buys out the first two years of free agency in which Miami is going to be paying him $17 million per season for years four and five of the contract. And Alcantara has been very good for the Marlins, better than what Cease has been for the White Sox. But seeing this contract extension come to fruition, did plan a seat in my head, Jim, of could the White Sox sign Cease to a similar extension? It would be much cheaper than what it would cost to keep Lucas Giolito in a White Sox uniform. Mm-hmm. Do you think this would be a good time for the White Sox to discuss such an extension with Cease? I think it's a... It's an interesting time just because, you know, I'm thinking back to the Lucas Giolito thing where you had one awful season and one great season. And where do you go from here? I think Cease is a little bit more risky in his profile just because of that uh, ability to lose the zone. Like with, with Giolito, the way he attacked the zone with that, uh, you know, mystery changeup, um, basically he that would allow him to get to, he didn't get to 200 innings, but he was on that pace per start. He just happened to miss a start here and there with, uh, you know, minor injuries that you know, were not repeated, were not uh, uh, significant, were not like structural in nature. So um, he feels like a sounder bet, whereas Cease, although he made every start, as you mentioned, just, you know, the, the pitches have piled up. And so he's somebody who you can't see getting the 200 innings at any point. And with, with Alcantara, I, I think, uh, you know, there are a couple huge differences. One is in his last two full seasons, he averaged 200 innings between those two seasons, 2019 and 2021. And also he's a guy who gets through a, a batter in like 3.6, 3.7 pitches, like basically half a pitch per batter he saves versus C. So that's the kind of workload where you can see him shouldering that number one workload, even if he isn't maybe... Uh, has the number one peripherals, or at least the number one peripherals that a lot of teams have. Like he's still under a strikeout inning. He does get more grounders. He does limit homers better than Cease, but they're kind of different to where, you know, I can see arguments being made on both sides. Alcantara saying, I offer more innings. Cease saying, I'm more dominant. Like the, 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 the swings and uh, the amount of damage per swing or the amount of contact, uh, you know, is just... Uh, pitiful based on or relative to what Alcantara allows and you have to you know project that into you know, riding those peripherals to better results as he's mature so I can see arguments against you know for and against an extension for and against like certain salary figures from like 55 million to like 80 just based on the kind of strikeout rate he had and how favorably he compared to uh, the front runners in the Cy Young award so it's gonna be a fascinating discussion I think it's worth you know, the White Sox discussing as they assess what Giolito's future ultimately is, um, you know, what the rotation looks like after Lance Lynn, maybe Cease is the guy uh, they extend, even if it's maybe a bit more than they want, just because it'll be less than other pitchers get. And they might need somebody to provide some cost certainty after, you know, basically three years. Yeah, that's a good point that you make there as far as the cost certainty. Because again, the White Sox only have Lucas Giolito 
under contract for two more seasons. And if he tests free agency and seeing how much pitchers are making now when they hit free agency, like I don't blame Lucas Giolito wanting to go test free agency because he would get paid. He is going to get paid. So if the White Sox are trying to keep one of their starting pitchers right now, the younger starting pitcher under cost certainty, I think Dylan Cease may be the more realistic option just based on the White Sox spending habits uh, that we have seen over the years covering the Chicago White yeah. Sox. Uh, however, you know, one, th- one thing I'm thinking about now is, you know, when it comes to Cease's willingness to sign an extension, I'm curious what Carlos Rodon's market might say for a guy like Cease. Just because when you look at Rodon, you know, just his inability to, uh, you know, make the post, um, to throw starts, uh, you know, Cease has already topped Rodon single season high in starts. Um, you know, Cease threw 165 and two thirds innings. Uh, Rodon topped out at 165. So he's already topped what Rodon's done for single season endurance. And since Rodon threw 165, uh, as we know, as we've talked about greatly, like the, he, he hasn't come close to that mark. And yet, you know, he reaches free agency with this really unusual front-loaded dominant season with an absurd strikeout rate and greatly improved walk rates. And uh, he only threw 132 innings. But if he gets uh, like a, a sizable contract um, that, that basically exceeds expectations the way a number of contracts already signed have uh, blown market predictions away, I wonder if that's... Uh, maybe incentive or motivation for Cease to just bet on himself, go year to year, max out his earnings in arbitration, and then say, no matter what, when he gets to free agency, if he has like a a year like he just had within the last two years, and there's nothing seriously wrong with what he does, will a team want to bet on him for 150 inning dominance? And I think if Rodon makes a sizable contract, there might be an argument that just an early career contract extension isn't going to cut it um, because he's already shown he can do it once. And maybe that's all pitchers have to show in this market where, you know, everybody has pitch labs and uh, understands just what makes effective uh, or what makes fastballs and sliders and and curveballs as effective as they are. Like maybe everybody wants to get their hands on cease and uh, maybe as long as he gets the free agency in full working order, uh, the market will reward him. And then finally, Jim, I think we're going to hear a lot about this come the spring in many season previews, folks picking their award winners, trying to find dark horse candidates to draw attention to. I think we are going to read here and watch on the various shows and other podcasts and national writers across the country. I could see somewhat of a campaign for Dylan Cease to be Someone to watch for preseason for the American League Cy Young, especially on how Corbin Burns, and for those that watched the Brewers in 2020, the White Sox faced the Brewers in 2020, us White Sox fans, we got to see on how special Corbin Burns' stuff was, and then he put it all together in 2021 to win the National League Cy Young. I could see people following that same path for Dylan Cease, Jim, Mm -hmm. in that Look at how well he pitched in 2021. That is a huge jump in strikeout rate from 2020. If he takes another step forward, it's it's realistic that he's going to be part of the Scion conversation, especially if he can make 30-plus starts in 2022. Do you think Dylan Cease, as we speak now, 
could be a dark horse candidate for the American League Cy Young in 2022. I'd even point to Robbie Ray as somebody who has mm, had like point. a similar trajectory, uh, similar fits and starts with uh, monster stuff, or at least stuff that should play up with a walk rate that kind of uh, undercuts it, what he wants to do. He's never reached 200 innings, and yet he won a Cy Young just because the innings innings benchmark for Cy Young consideration is coming down, and per start, per inning dominance is trending up. So I think the maybe four years ago or something like that, Cease probably just would be on the outside looking in barring some kind of like Blake Snell or Chris Sale like ERA where it's, you know, two or under. But with the way the uh, workloads are going for starting pitchers, like it might be meeting him. I I think my biggest reservation with Cease is that, you know, when you look at his minor league career and you look at what he lost um, just trying to progress in terms of workload uh, with the 2020 season and only being limited to 60 games. Uh, 165 innings is his career high by far. So I'm just a little bit wary or I guess aware, I should say not, there are no special reasons for concern, but just aware that he's never had that kind of season before. So can he do it again? Will there be, you know, one of those minor Giolito-like injuries that keeps him from making 32 starts and he makes 28 instead. That's what I'm not quite sure about um, just because uh, he hasn't had that, he hasn't had the ability to do it again because he's only been in the minors and then lost last year. So I think this is an important year, but it wouldn't surprise me if he needs one more year to just work out his uh, mechanical kinks while absorbing a major league workload, a six-month workload in earnest uh, with a you know, maybe not number one starters expectations, but at least, you know, number three, a a postseason starters expectations. We will take a deeper dive look into the 2022 season for Dylan Cease and look at his projections come this spring training. But it was great to see Dylan Cease make this huge step forward in 2021. He was a big contributor to the White Sox, winning the American League Central for the first time since 2008. And I can't wait to see what unfolds for Dylan Cease coming into the 2022 season. And Jim, as always, thanks for hopping on and recapping Dylan Cease's 2021 season with me. Well, before I sign off, I should say that uh, in 2019, between Charlotte and, and the White Sox, he did make that stride between 124 innings. I only had part, I only had the uh, major league season up for that page, but he has bridged the gap slightly between uh, 124 in 2018 and 165 in 2021. So I, before anybody yells at me, I did correct that. <laughs> so now I can rest easy. So thanks. That will do it for this 2021 Player Review Podcast. Thanks for listening. And if you just discovered the Sox Machine Podcast, you can subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Sox Machine, and you can follow me on Twitter at Sox Machine underscore Josh. For those that have been listening to the show all season, and if you haven't already signed up, think about doing so at our Patreon page. Our Patreon supporters receive exclusive content, ad-free versions of the podcast and website, and the first opportunity to receive our new Sox Machine swag items. We have monthly plans starting at just $2 a month, and our annual plans save you 9%. To sign up, visit patreon.com slash Machine. The Sox Machine Podcast is a production of SoxMachine.com, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, and your home for all things Chicago White Sox baseball. I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for listening. Sports. 
Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.